Ronananian. It's really amazing auto repair comes out right as often as it does in one sense of the word. The car doctor. Doing interior work is a lot like doing open heart surgery. There's there's no margin of error. You you slip and put a gouge in the red leather seat of the 2009 Mustang GT convertible. Yeah, that's probably an issue. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. There's more information out at cardoctorshow.com. And please, if you'd like to, you know, maybe you're going to call in and we're going to talk about your particular problem. Hey, you want to hear it again? Easy peasy. Just get out to cardoctorshow.com or click on the podcast link. You can get over and just remember what day and approximately what time, what portion of the show you were in. And uh, you can relive your diagnostics or your diagnosis, whichever way it might be, and uh, capture it right then and there. So, uh, you know, there is a purpose for the podcasting as well, um, besides not being able to if you don't have terrestrial radio, etc. So um, keep that in mind as well. Let's get on over. Let's kick the garage doors open. And uh, let's start off with calls because, gee whiz, uh, Tom's got me busy right now. Let's go over and talk to Jan in Delaware. Jan, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, how you doing? Good, sir. Uh, What's going on? I've, I've got a 2013 Jeep. Grand Cherokee, and uh, I haven't been I haven't been able to find uh, any place in Southern Delaware that upgrades the GPS. Um, okay, well, you're aware Chrysler's got a website uh, set up for this, right? They that website uh, it sends you you're supposed to send money to some other country, and they mail you like a thumbnail or something to put in your computer. I'm not that computer savvy. All right. Well, yeah, because well, I don't know if it's some other country, but it's through Chrysler. Uh, you know, you've got to. They want you to. I, I believe. Think, I believe it was the Netherlands. Okay. Well, have you talked to the dealer about this? I have. I haven't been to the dealer. Okay. I've, I've talked to them on, by phone. Right. And they gave me the website, and and just died there. Well, yeah, but I mean, if that's listen, if if that's the procedure, that's the procedure. I don't know. I don't know anybody else is going to have any other way to do it. Because if the source for maps is the Netherlands or, or, or whatever Chrysler's got set up, you're trying to reinvent the tree, and it, it's 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 not going to work. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, it's it's it, you know. Listen, we all want what we want. The question is, will we ever get it? I was at the chiropractor this morning, and uh, Jackie, the the secretary, the receptionist, asked me about uh, the price of a windshield for her Honda Civic. And I said, why? And she says, well, I've got a crack about this long, and when her fingers got 14 inches apart. I said, yeah, you need a windshield. She says, you think? I said, yeah, I think. She goes, well, I don't want a windshield. I said, well, I can fix that. And she said, really? And I said, yeah. I said, give me your right hand. She gave me your right hand. And I put it, and I, I held her hand, and I said, let's chant. She said, chant what? And I went, um. She said, that's not going to work. And I said, right. And neither's complaining that you don't want a new windshield when you need one. So my point becomes, <laughs> you know, my point becomes, you know, you may not want to send money to the Netherlands. 
But if you want a GPS and that's where a GPS update and that's where Chrysler says you got to send it, brother, that's the only way you're going to get it. Uh, you know, it just wow. it, it just works like that. That's you know, I, I I don't know any other way to do that. Even somebody okay. with Chrysler Ytech with the factory tool outside the dealership, the data information has to come from somewhere. So right. so so here's here's the question I think you should pose to the Chrysler dealer: If you made an appointment to go in and pay them to update your GPS, could they do it? Would they do it? And how would they do it? Uh, okay. Because here's here's the argument. All right. Um, what if what if an elderly person was was driving? All right. You know, you, we we kind of sound like we're the same age group there, Jan. All right, but what if somebody, what if somebody, eighty-five years old, needed to get their GPS? I'm not picking on the eighty-five-year-olds. Gee, I don't want to say that, but I'll, yeah. I'll say, I'll say it a different way. Somebody that's not computer savvy or less computer savvy than you and I. What if somebody just didn't want to be bothered doing it? I want to take it to the dealer. I want to pay somebody to do it. How would that happen? Even that, that's you know, right. That's basically what I wanted to do. Right. Even Chrysler can't be that 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 ignorant of their customer base that they don't realize people just don't want to be bothered sometimes. Just you know, fix this for me, make it go away. And, right. Right. Uh, you know, and listen, when they say, "Well, we don't do that for an individual," well, tell them, "What if I was the guy that bought fifty cars for my fleet? Would you be able to do it then?" And I bet you they'd change their tune. <laughs> so. And, <laughs> You know, and that's and listen, and that's when you tell them, listen, the guy that bought fifty cars for his fleet, he's not showing up, so I'll take his spot. Update my GPS. Uh, <laughs> all right, you call me back. Let okay, me know what happens. Thank you. All right, Jen, you take good care. Let's go over and talk to John in Michigan, ninety-four Chevy pickup. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. Hey, how are you doing? Good. What's going on? Hey, man, I um, I got a, I had a problem with uh, I got a nineteen ninety-four um, five seven. And uh, when I bought it, you know the the heads, the top of the heads, the rock arms, or we're just full of sludge. And, okay. Um, I cleaned all that out, and um, and um, how'd you how'd you clean it out, John? Uh, we took took the valve covers off and right. um, just scooped it all out with a putty knife. I mean, okay. it was pretty thick, and um, and then brushed it down, you know, and I plugged all the. The drains. That's what I wanted all the to hear. Drains, you know, right. with the dowels and right. um, cleaned it all out. I, I used gas. I brushed it all out and right. wiped it all out and cleaned it. Right. And um, the PCV valve was just going nuts on it. You know, just you could hear it just vibrating. And uh, right, it's got a rattle to it. Yeah, and it would vibrate itself right out of the right out of the valve cover. Okay. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, what would cause? You know that, and I was getting a little bit of moisture on my dipstick. Not a lot, you know, just a few drops. The oil wasn't watery or milky, and um, you know, we put all that back together, and um, now it just seems like it 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 runs rich and there's kind of mist to it. And I pulled the plugs out and checked them all. They're all they all look like they're running nice and brown, and you know, I can't find a bad plug. Right. Where maybe one cylinder was getting more like a vacuum leak. Or well, let's let's back up a second. So, you know, you, you took the valve covers off, you cleaned everything up, you put it back together. Right. Did you change the PCV valve? Yeah. You did? Uh, I got a new PCV for it. Okay. What brand? Because I figured they sold me the wrong one. As a matter of fact, I put two in it. Okay. Um, Do you have the old one? Um. Well... No, not 
got the original one. I don't. Okay. No. Everybody's 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 fixing cars, throwing parts out today. You got to wait until the car is fixed, um, be, because I'd love to be able to plug that back in. What brand was it? House brand or aftermarket brand? I you know. I think it was an aftermarket brand right. because I think I got it at you know I don't want to right. talk about anybody's auto shop place, but I I bought an auto store brand instead of a, you know like a Delco or yeah know, why don't we listen why don't we eliminate the obvious why don't we go get a Delco or, or, or as an original or just a good name brand quality PCV somewhere and let's start the process there they're cheap enough PCVs will cause all a multitude of problems if they're the wrong ones if you pull the PCV out of the valve cover while the engine's running and just put your finger over the hole does the idle quality smooth out Actually, if I pull it straight out, put my yeah, it, it'll um, it'll act up for a minute and then, then clear up. Right. So, so so it sounds like the PCV is is got it, the PCV is pulling too much vacuum or it's evacuating too well. We used to say because the spring is out of calibration. Something's not right with that PCV if that's affecting performance. Whether it's there's an issue somewhere else in the vehicle and you've got a good PCV valve and that's overcompensating for something else, it's hard to say. The one question that's in the back of my mind is if the valve covers were that sludged up, what does the rest of the engine look like? Well, I well, I ran um, what I did is after I... Yeah, I figured, well, maybe, you know, it's with that much sludge. I, I figured, well, you know, the oil filter screen from the oil pump, you know, it might be just because I've torn motors apart and taken them. Right. That's those screens that were so bad you could, I don't know how they could even suck oil through them. But so let me, let me ask you this, John, what did you use to, what did you use to uh, clean the rest of it? You haven't cleaned the bottom end of the engine yet, right? Well, I didn't. What I did is I, I just ran it until it got hot and I ran thin oil through it. You know, I ran a yeah. five that's, that's, W through it and then I changed it like every, I only ran it about 500 miles, and then I'd change it. it you know, it'd be black, and then finally I got it so it's running nice right. and clear, and I got good oil pressure on my gauge. So I figured, you know. All right. So let's assume let's assume all the sludge is out of this. There is a there is a DEFCON one fail safe absolute method of doing it. I'm reluctant to tell you. I will. Uh, you know, when we get something that we think is sludged or feel is really sludged up beyond just a traditional fuel system uh, cleaner or fuel uh, crankcase cleaner, uh, we'll actually put a, a, a pint of brake fluid in an engine. Um, a pint of brake fluid. It's the most caustic substance known to man. And we won't, yeah. we won't run it. We'll let it sit there and idle for the better part of, you know, half a day. Uh, sometimes, sometimes we'll put up to a quart of brake fluid. Now, the danger here is that we're thinning out the oil. And depending upon how thin we're making it, we and I explain this to customers whenever we do it, we don't do it that often, but we're explaining that, you know, you're at the point of no return. If we don't try this, you're surely going to end up putting an engine in the car. And when you get to that stage, this is the last step before you replace the engine uh, for, for a sludge issue. I absolutely guarantee you, you let that thing idle for four hours with brake fluid in it, everything's coming out. Brother, it, uh, I mean, it's just nasty looking, all right? I've heard, I've heard some, a guy told me, you know, a little tranny fluid, because that's got more of a detergent in it. But yep, and we'll do tranny fluid. Tranny fluid is my is my first step. Brake fluid is my last step, all right? Yeah, because that's, that's, like you said, that's harsh. And yeah, it's, it's so harsh. Gross. It's really harsh. But if we're happy that the, uh, if we're confident that, you know, the crankcase is clean, the valve covers are clean, then we've got to go for a factory PCV valve. 
or something close to it because that that calibration is going to affect things. And let's make sure that let's make sure that the inside of the valve cover is clean, the baffle is clear such that it can vent properly. And let's be right. certain that all the lines are hooked up the way they were supposed to be. Nothing's leaking. Nothing's broken. It's a 94. It's uh, 94,414. It's 25 yeah. years old. Uh, let's make sure. I would, yeah. Maybe let's, I had a pinhole and, you know, maybe a, a slight leak in the, the you know, the, um, oh, the uh, intake. Right. Well, know? and also, if I recall correctly, the map sensor. Uh, has a vacuum line going to it, and they got brittle over time. Make sure that has good proper signal. And then you're going to have to get a scan tool and start looking at fuel trims, OBD1 style, as well as looking at map readings. Do those couple of things, and uh, give me a call back, John. Let me know where we stand next week, and we can go into this further. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We'll be back right after this. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900 for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. You know, I was wondering, wait, let me talk to Lucy. Lucy, what do you think? I've got Lucy, Lucy, the studio dog, pit bull in here with me today. Lucy's telling me everything I need to know about cars, folks. Lucy, how smart is Tom? Tom, bark once for... Oh, she's quiet. That means Tom's in trouble. Okay, let's get over and talk to... Where are we going first? Let's go to Dave in Wisconsin. General question about... Heating electric vehicles. David, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Yeah, good afternoon. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, say you had a, a plug-in full electric vehicle, and it would give you, a, say, a 200-mile range, generally. How do the heater and defroster work and the, and, and the AC? Because here in Wisconsin, we need both of them. Right. And, and how do they work, and what would it do to your battery life? Well, the, major- the majority of vehicles, and I wonder the same thing, too, Dave. I really do. I scratch my head about this, that everybody's pushing electric vehicles. Uh, you know, here in New Jersey, like you in Wisconsin, we're going to get hit. Well, we're going to get hit with the snowstorm uh, this afternoon. I'm not sure what's going on in Wisconsin. I don't know if it's that far out, that far west, but you get snow, too. And I always say, you know, it's like that conversation about warming up the car. I, every car I have, whether it's 20 years old or two weeks old, I still warm them up, you know, seven, eight, well, not seven, eight minutes, four or five minutes in the driveway because I want to build a little heat, clear the windshield and so on. Because, you know, driving a cold car with no heat is tough. Uh, it's unsafe, too. You can't see out the glass. So to your question, uh, an electric vehicle, the majority of electric vehicles are using an electric heater. And I have to believe, I can't say I know this firsthand for fact, but I have to believe that the cars that use the electric heater versus the ones that don't are going to be shortening the battery life. It's just a matter of physics. Remember the movie The Martian with Matt Damon? Did you yep. see? Did you see that? Remember when he got in the rover and he had a he wanted to go to the other side of Mars to the uh, just, just to get somewhere else to try and hook up with NASA. Remember how the when he when he was driving around and I can't say what he said here on radio. But remember what he was said to himself um, about how cold it was because he had the heater off inside the vehicle and he had to turn the heat back on. Uh-huh. Right. Well, it's kind of the same problem, except we're not going to go dig up no nuclear isotope to ride around with it uh, behind us so that we're all nice and toasty warm. Um, I think it's an issue. Listen, I think the electric car idea is an issue uh, for the masses. I just don't see it. Uh, they, air conditioning is easy. Air conditioning, it just becomes an electric AC compressor. That's the easy part. It's And, you know, I see talk about heat pumps being installed and, and different concepts for different things. But, uh, you know... 
the point becomes that I think that we have to modify the fleet. I think electric vehicles have a place in the fleet that we're going to modify the fleet. We're only going to have, you know, they, they, they said 15 years ago, I think, was the time frame where they said if we made 10% of the fleet, this was 15 years ago, if we made 10% of the fleet electric, the price of gas would drop under a buck a gallon because the demand would be so low. So, uh, you know, and I get it, we're out chasing, and I'm not going to open up this can of worms here, but, you know, we're, we're chasing electric vehicles because we're worried about carbon footprint and, you know, pollution to the, to the planet and so forth. But that electricity has to be manufactured somewhere, and it you know, has to be manufactured in a plant, and that's still pollution. So I, in my mind, it's an equal trade, if, if maybe a little worse, a little less, but you get my point. Um, I'm, leery, I'm leery of the electric vehicles Dave, for the idea of heating and cooling, uh, you know, I think they've got their place. I just don't know that I want to count count on that as my first call, uh, be all, you know, for for everything I need to do. I just I, I just don't see it. Uh, yeah, I think in our climate, the way to go is, to, is with a hybrid. So you've got a little three or four cylinder engine that that will still produce the heat and, right. and drive an AC yeah. compressor. I, I think know, and, I, I think if I was going to do that, sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I always think too in terms of just repair. I'm sorry. You know, sooner or later, that new whatchamacallit, thingamajig, wonderful, whatever it was out in the driveway is going to break. Somebody better uh-huh. under, somebody better be able to understand it and explain it and, and know how to take care of it in order for me to get where I have to go or I'm going to be buying a new one. And I, I think that's a big part of it, too. Uh, I think that, you know, and this is just general, this is my opinion. I don't know this for fact. But my opinion, I think electric cars are being, you know, sold to us because we'll buy them. Um, I don't know that we need them, uh, you know, in the volume that they're trying to push them out there. Uh, you know, I think I don't think anybody's thought it through because I look at it. The damage to the economy, from my perspective, if the internal combustion engine went away tomorrow, no more big oil companies. No, the majority of repair shops are gone. No more, you know, demand for tools. Go ask the guys at Snap-on Tools, Dave, what they would do if they weren't selling tools. What would happen to the state of Wisconsin and Kenosha, right? Um, think about the issues there if their demand isn't there like it is now. So uh, electric vehicles, I think they're a modification to the fleet, not a replacement of the fleet. But I appreciate your questions and comments, sir, and uh, enjoy the rest of the day. I'm Ron Anane in the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. back we're on the end of the car doctor i got the finger from michael so that means i can go ahead and start talking steve in texas you're up next sir what's going on not too much how are you today i'm doing well sir uh, so uh i bought a uh, pickup truck while my wife was out on vacation uh-oh and um this doesn't sound like a it, good story uh, uh, it's hey you know what it's it's a square body pickup truck the truck i dreamed about since i used to watch the fall guy right so it's a 85 uh, K10. It's got a uh, 350 uh, engine. And the transmission, he took the, the turbo 350 trans out and put in a 4L60. Okay. Okay. So the only issue um, is he could never figure out that that TV cable for throttle the valve. Yeah. The, throttle valve cable. And it's got an aftermarket one that 
it, the cable comes up, kind of goes through a loop, and then there's you know a screw that pinches down on it. Right. Yeah. Because the idea, the fall guy. Oh man, I just caught that. Let's see. You ever notice how it's everybody relates TV shows to cars, in the sense you know, like I watch the fall guy, I want a square body pickup truck. Yeah. I, you know, that's just so you know, like I saw American Graffiti, I wanted a '55 Chevy. You know, what what are they going to do when they watch the cars of today? Oh, I really got to get a Prius. Yeah, there's a there's a real, you know, like, uh, you know, I got to get me an electric vehicle. I just saw the latest episode of whatever. Um, there's a joke in there somewhere. Let me work on it. So That's a picture of a Toyota hanging on a wall. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like, there's just no, there's just no, I don't know. Uh, Whatever. There's just no. There's no enthusiasm for cars today. They're just. And there's so much more than transportation devices. They really. It, are. You know what? It, it, it's who we are. Yeah. It's. It's. It's, it's just. It's. It, it is who you are. Um, I really believe you are what you drive. Um, you know, and it's. It's. It's an extension of you. It's. It's. Uh, you know, I'm shocked, and we're way off subject here, and I'll, I'll come back to it in a minute. But I'm just shocked. I've got people that tell me they're. Their their kids turning seventeen and they have no interest in getting a driver's license. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Listen, the only reason I got a driver's license was because I got tired of getting pulled over by the cops. Uh, you know, and, you know, it's like, <laughs> come on, let's 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 cut it out and stop telling stories here. Oh my God. Um, so a throttle valve cable. So you're stepping down on the gas, all right, and you're you're opening the throttle. All right, Carbur- right. This, is, this is a carbureted vehicle, right? This is the engines. Uh, the, the engines yeah, original. He, um, yeah, uh, he put a everything Edelbrock on it. Uh, even the carburetor is an Edelbrock, okay. so you know, it used to be the old Carter carbs. Okay, so a throttle valve. All right, a throttle valve is a control device inside the transmission that changes the hydraulic port. Remember back in the day, there were IBM punch cards. When computers first started, right? Remember Mm -hmm. those? I took that class in high school. Boy, I think that teacher still hasn't forgiven me because I found out if you hit this button, those cards really go far. That makes quite the mess. And (laughs) and think of the hydraulic, the IBM punch cards, right? All those little cards open and close and create passages for the computer to see and work through, and it causes it to make calculations and changes how it functions, Correct. So uh, an automatic transmission works the same way. There's all there's, there's this multitude of hydraulic circuits that are opening and closing based on pressure, demand, spring reliefs, and port openings. Well, the throttle valve controls those port openings. It controls when the IBM punch card goes through the machine to cause it to change from second to third or allow the upshift from... Uh, you know, a third to overdrive or create the downshift from three to two. It's the control function. It's the throttle valve, and it's based on your foot's position or demand being placed on the transmission from the engine. Make sense? You with me so far? Yes. So, yes, sir. So that cable has to be a fixed point. If it's, you know, 32 inches long between the, 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 the carburetor and the valve, they allow you an adjustment for a little bit of give and leeway. If you pull up, if you disconnect the throttle valve off the cable, off the end of the carburetor, and pull on it, you're going to find towards the very end, it gets hard. And there's a there's probably a quarter inch, maybe three-eighths of an inch of pull where it feels like you got a fish on the end of the line. 
all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's resistance. That's the moment. That moment when that begins, that's the point when the throttle valve, you're, you're, you're into the spring of the valve. You're into the moment when the IBM punch card enters the machine. So that's the moment when the ports start to open. Make sense? Yes. Okay. So the, the adjustment becomes, all right, you open up the throttle. This is the way we did it in the old days. Now, you know, I'm working with a modified vehicle here, so there may be something extenuating that I'm not seeing. But the way this is supposed to work is as you open the throttle, as you approach wide open throttle, you should pick up the, the spring of the throttle valve, that moment when there's resistance. In theory, when you're wide open throttle, the throttle valve is wide open too. Capiche? Yes. Okay? That's the way it's supposed to work. Now, you can play with this a little. You can bring the throttle valve in a little early. You can bring it in a little late. You can, And it'll change the point of how hard it shifts and when it shifts. All right? Mm-hmm. But if the throttle valve cable isn't adjusted and it never moves... It's like running a blank card through the IBM machine. It never knows what to do. It just sits there and gets at the old because it's it's confused. With me? Yes, sir. Okay, that's what you got to do. So, so, so basically, I had my daughter hop in a truck, obviously with it not running, push the accelerator, uh, the gas pedal all the way down. Well, let's do it this way. Disconnect the throttle valve, the cable okay. from the side of the carburetor. Pull on okay. it, okay? And the reason I tell you okay. to pull on it first is make sure it's hooked up at the other end because the other end is inside the trans. Right. All right? Just because just because the cable goes into the trans doesn't mean it's hooked up to anything. Somebody else did this. We can't trust them. We don't know if they're doing their job. If they did their right. job, you wouldn't be talking to me today, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, I'd be talking to you. Well, I, got, I got two other questions. Well, but you know, it's, but you get you you get the point, right? Yeah. So let's let's we we feel that tension. All right. Now let's open the throttle all the way. Now let's see where where's the dowel on the carburetor line up with the tchotchke on the end of the cable. Are we anywhere close? No. Okay. Now let's open up the adjustment on the cable, whatever that looks like. Sometimes it's a clip that you pop up and the spring pulls it back, so you're pulling against that. Or, you know, whatever we've got to do and try and get the two pieces to line up. All right? Okay. And then, uh, and then yeah, then you can sit in the car and or your your daughter can jump in the car, engine off, wide open throttle, have her bring it up to about the point where you think the throttle valve started to engage, and at that point, pull on the cable by hand. Are you into the throttle valve? Yeah, great. Let go of it. Have her open it up the rest of the way, and by the time that's wide open, that throttle valve should be open as well. Yeah, it's about a full two and a half, almost three inch swing. Right. Sounds right. Okay. So. All right, let me uh, let me let me, pull, let me let me pull over real quick, Stephen. When we come back, we'll finish up. Get your two questions, and then we've got a couple other calls we're going to get to. But we'll finish up with you. Don't go away. I'm running Annie the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. It's the little old lady from Pasadena. He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Let's get back to Stephen, Texas. Steve, you got two more, real quick, babe. What do you got? So when I start this uh, this engine up on this truck, um, I get like um, five seconds of blue smoke. Um, yeah. He thinks, 
It could have been the uh, the valve seals. Yeah, valve stem seals. Um, not uncommon. You know, it's it's you know that's the engine on indicator we used to say in '85 because they all tended to do that. There have been mm-hmm. some there have been some changes and modifications to valve stem seals. They've gotten better, of course, since '85. That's uh, just more than a few years ago. So they've they've they're probably rock hard, and half of them have probably fallen off. That is something. If you're mechanically inclined, you could change at home. You would need an air compressor and a valve compressor tool. Uh, it's not okay. the it's not the hardest job in the whole world. I'm sure there's more than a few videos on YouTube. Uh, the key becomes you want to make sure you do that when nobody else is around because you got to be thinking. If you have to, you know, spark plug comes out, air goes in the cylinder, uh, the rocker arm comes off. You want to, you know, use the compressing tool, compress it down, spring off, do one spring at a time. All right, so you don't mix anything up. Uh, you know, change the stem. It's like a it's like a little black O ring. Or, or rubber band that sits around the top of the valve usually uh, is the style. You know, do the change, okay. put the spring back. Make sure when you put the, the the keeper, you'll understand it's a keyed keeper. It's notched. Make sure when you put it back, it's in. It's seated into. It's just a wedge lock to hold the spring to the valve so that it doesn't okay. fall out. Um, and, you know, you should be fine. It's not the hardest job in the world. So I can do it with the heads on. Heads on. I can get those... Uh, through O'Reilly's, the um... yeah O'Reilly Auto Parts will have all the tools. They'll have the stem seals, you know. And like I said, there's more than a few videos out there that you can watch, and um, you know, uh, see the procedure for doing it. But you know, and then while you've got it, you know, while you've got the valve spring off, you could do this: put a put a good heavy gauge rubber band around the valve. Okay. And, and then when you do that, think about what I say. When you do that, you can then take the air out of the cylinder. If the valve falls, the rubber band will keep it from falling into the cylinder. Do you understand? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. So, so now what you can do is now you can you know hold the valve up tight against the seat, just crack the valve open just a touch, and rock the valve side to side. And now you can put a dial indicator on it if you want. You can measure valve rock to see if the guide is badly worn or worn enough that you should replace it. And that for okay. that, the head has to come off. All right? Good deal. And then don't forget to take the rubber band off before you, you know, just, you know, it's, <laughs> it, this is a procedural thing, right? This is rubber band on, remove the air, put the air on, rubber band off. Don't do it out of sequence because you're going to get the big surprise. All right? And then, you know, and then the head comes off and make sure there's no little kids around so they don't learn new words. Um, third question, real quick. Well, you know what? I will call you back next Saturday. Uh, That's Let cool. you know what I do with the trans. That works. And yep. we'll go I've from got there. a jacked up Jeep. And I'll call you about some break issues right. there. Absolutely. And, you know, stay on the line, Steve. Tom, Steve, Tom wants to talk to you. He's got a quick question for you if he can. So stay on the phone. Let Tom pick that up. Let's get over and talk to Alan in Florida, 85 Capri. Alan, how can I help, sir? What's going on? Well, I'll try and make this quick. Time's getting short. Go ahead. Got an 85 Mercury Capri, 5 liter. Right. Uh, I I had run had run it for several hundred miles after I bought it. Everything was fine. I was going to make a trip, and I got talked into putting synthetic oil in it. So I did that. I drove it 150 miles, and it started. It was putting out a cloud of white smoke, like it was like it was snowing so hard you couldn't see through it. Okay. When I disconnect the vacuum line to the distributor, vacuum and advance, plug the right. vacuum line, it stops smoking. Okay, that means the internal seal inside the distributor is bad. 
and you're 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 pumping oil up inside the distributor, or it means that well, no. or it means well, that crank crankcase pressure is, is is too high and it's pushing oil where it doesn't belong, and the diaphragm inside the distributor, the vacuum advance is bad. You're talking about disconnecting the vacuum line from the vacuum advance on the distributor, correct? Yes. Yeah. And there's no there's no oil in the in that line at all. It's dry as can be. Right. Did you take the distributor cap off? Yeah. And the, yeah. the inside of the distributor has no oil in it? None whatsoever. How can that be? Well, that's what I can't figure out. What, what, like I said, it's a combination, I think, the changing to the synthetic. I was told that you shouldn't do that with as old an engine as it is. Well, stock engine. You uh, know, that's a, whole, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a cup of coffee conversation. I've heard the argument right. both ways. But, but if, anyway, if, if you're smoking, there's got to be a source. There's, there's, gotta, I know, that's that, what I can't. I can't figure out where, what, 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 the only change is that, and when you plug the line, it's no different than when it's hooked to the vacuum advance, because all it, it's just, it's just applying pressure to the diaphragm. Right. And the diaphragm moves. I don't get any airflow through that line. Car having, so where car- is it drawing oil when you change the time? Basically, all you're doing is changing the timing. Right. Does the car have a PCV valve? It has to, right? <laughs> Yes. If yes. you pull the PCV out of the valve cover, does it change the smoke? Uh, that I, I don't think I've ever tried that specifically. Try that. Do me a favor. Plug everything in. Disconnect the PCV. Pull the PCV valve out of the valve cover. See if that changes anything, and call me back next week, and we'll talk. All right, sir. Bye, Ron. All right, Alan. Take good care. Have a good week. You too. Bye. I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. the car doctor closing it out real quick story what's the rush right i want to tell you the story about the broken heater nipples real fast it's my yellow post-it note of the day here i had a 2008 chevy tahoe came into the shop the heater nipple on the right side had cracked it's a plastic nipple over the exhaust manifold you want to talk about white smoke it was like the second coming of the wizard of oz right by a push so it's a it's 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 a speed clip. You have to pinch the two nylon tabs together to pull the nipple off the heater core end. Now you're dealing with plastic underneath the cowl hooked onto a piece of aluminum, which is the heater core. GM tells me that this job can be done in 1.1 hours. It took me a half hour just to find the other end of it. All right, never mind, get it apart. I ended up sitting there with oh probably an 18 inch sharpened punch and a ball-peen hammer, and just very carefully breaking the plastic tab, which brings to light, I bet they sell a lot of these nipples because there's no way to get it apart once it goes together. Carpenter Bob sat there watching me, and Carpenter Bob, remember him? We haven't talked about him in a while. In famous Carpenter Bob monologue, he goes, yeah, that's the way I would have designed it. So sat there, broke the two tabs, got it apart. Legitimately, legitimately took me an hour and 18 minutes to get both nipples and both hoses apart. It fought me so bad. It took me five minutes to put it back together because they're more worried about putting it together and getting it out the door than they are about when it breaks for you and me. So just what's the rush? I don't know. I'm Ron Anani in the Car Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.